Welcome to you. My name's Tim. I'm the pastor here. Welcome all campuses. Welcome to you on Facebook Live. We're glad to have you guys all here. Welcome, welcome. Uh, it's confusing, isn't it? I mean, what is, what is my purpose? We're going to talk about that today. I mean, there's some questions that are, you know, it, it, you, you young people need to understand. When we had questions in the old days, we had to go to the library and look it up on an encyclopedia, okay? I mean, it's just so bizarre to think about now. What do we do now? We just go, hey, Google, right? I love doing that for the people online. Hey, Google, play some Barry Manilow. There you go. Uh, I just, uh, I, you know, I mean, we go to Google for the, for the things that we want to know. It's right there on our phone. It's right simple. And, and, and everything's really, really easy. So I'm, I'm thinking today, I'm thinking this week, I'm thinking like, I wonder what the weirdest questions Google has ever been asked are, you know? Because you know there have been some weird ones. And I looked it up, and of course, you know, there, there's the, you, you go do it, you'll find all kinds of answers. Here's some of my favorites. Um, who would win in a fight between a grilled cheese and a taco? <laughs> I don't know how, they, how they, Google answered that, but that was one. Where do ninjas live? <clears throat> I mean, I want to know that. That's my house. Uh, how many calories do I burn jumping to conclusions? <laughs> I like that one. How about this? This is interesting. Are rhinos really just obese unicorns? That's been asked. But my favorite was this one. Um, why is Nicolas Cage on the cover of a Serbian biology textbook? Which makes you ask Google, why is Nicolas Cage on the cover of a Serbian biology textbook? And they bring up this picture. <clears throat> and you got to admit, I mean... He looks like Nicolas Cage, so there it is, okay? You can find all kinds of things out on Google, but the problem is Google can't really give you the real answers to the real questions, right? Life is hard, and I need questions answered. And they're, they're not questions that Google's going to help me with. And they're not help, I can't go to the library and look them up in an encyclopedia either. So today we're, we're, doing, we're starting a seven-week series, as you know, in conjunction with hundreds of other churches around the Chicagoland area. It's called Explore God. The website is exploregod.com. If you want to go, there's a lot of cool resources on there for you. If your small group is interested, you, we can go through the small group things together. And, and we're just going to answer, we're going to dig into five or just seven big questions that people have about God. And about faith. And up front, you need to know, as you've already heard, you need to know that, you know, I mean, you're welcome here, okay? This is a safe place to wrestle with the stuff that, that you've got going on, even questions about God. God's comfortable with it, and so are we. And I hope that you feel that. And number two, we're not here to convince you of anything either, okay? We're going to explore these questions together, and, and we're going to try to see what we come up with. And let's just admit that, you know, we're all a little bit confused and depressed in here this weekend after last weekend. Well, let's just, let's just admit it, you know? I mean, I, I, if at Christmas I said, I don't know how you could not believe in God if Notre Dame, you know, God's college, and, and the University of Oklahoma, my team, and the Chicago Bears are all in the playoffs. How could you not believe in God? How'd that work out for us? You got to admit the goalpost does kind of look like the devil if you think about it, you know, with the horns and stuff. And, and, and hey, Alabama got beat, so there is a God. I'm just saying, how do, how do you do it? How do you know? We, we have to use some logic because the thing is, if one football team winning proves the existence of God, then it just disproved the existence of God to all of the opponent's teams, right? It doesn't work out. I don't know if there are any Christians in Philly, but you see what my point is, okay? 
If, if the universe working the way you want it to is proof of God, then only Ferris Bueller can believe in God. You see what I'm saying? Only somebody who has everything that works out for them really well can believe in God. And Ferris Bueller's little sister, who things aren't working out so well for, can't believe in God because, you know, it's all about what God does for me. So I'm just going to ask you to be open to the possibility. No matter on which side of that thing that you're on, just be open for seven weeks, okay? I know some of you are visiting. Some of you are like, I'm not sure what I believe. I'm just here. Good. Here's what I'm going to ask you, okay? My parents told me a story uh, over Christmas that I didn't know, which is shocking to me because they tell me the same stories over and over and over again. But there was one that I didn't know, so thanks for that, Mom. And it was uh, my grandparents grew up in Arkansas. My mom grew up in Arkansas. My grandparents were in Arkansas, and that's a big part of my roots. I'm really just a closet redneck, if you haven't figured that out already. And sometimes I'm not even that much in the closet. And my grandfather was a farmer, you know, rancher, one of those guys. My grandfather was born in 1899. That'll tell you how old I am, right? I mean, and he was, uh, you know, he was old when my mom was born, but he was in my life until I was a young adult. And he was a, he was a great man, a great Christian man. This is a picture of me and my grandfather. <clears throat> and um, I love that picture because, you know, I bought some overalls and I don't have a tractor yet, but uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make my grandson wear a shirt, but that's me and my grandson. That's what I want it to be. Okay. The expression stubborn as a mule, however, came from a description of my grandfather. You may have heard it before. It originated with him. He was a very, very stubborn old codger. And, and so here's the story. When uh, they landed on the moon in 1969, I'm eight years old in 1969. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin are walking on the moon. It was going to be on television. It was on television at Arkansas time at 10 o'clock at night. It wasn't in the middle of the night. It wasn't something crazy. It was going to be on at 10 o'clock at night. And, of course, my parents are like, oh, well, we got to watch the lunar landing. You know, and Timmy and Dana, they need to, they need to watch. This is a matter of human history. I mean, this is a big deal. And Grandpa said, nope, not doing it. We're turning off the TV. He was a farmer. He got up early. You know, it was like TV has to be off at 8 o'clock. That was his rule. It was his house. So, so plus, we, we, we. He didn't believe that it was really happening, okay? He didn't believe it was really happening. You, you know, there are people still today that don't believe the lunar landing actually happened. They believe it was all made up in a Hollywood studio. But back then, there were a bunch of people, and my grandfather was one of those people. So I did not get to see personally for the first time it was on, I did not get to see the lunar landing because my grandfather was a skeptic, okay? We turned the TV off and went to bed. And what I'm saying is, I just want to ask you, just stay up to 10 o'clock, okay? During this series, just stay up to 10 o'clock. Just, just leave the door open a little bit. It's not going to hurt you to, you know, lose a little sleep. It's not going to hurt you to think about this for just a little bit. And be open to the fact that maybe this thing, this God thing is really there. Today, does life have a purpose? Because it centers around the, the question of God. 85% of people surveyed say they believe that life has a purpose. But as you heard in the video at the intro, they don't really know what it is. We know that having a purpose is important. Businesses have purpose statements because we know that if you have the why, it's a lot easier to deal with the, the what and the when and the where and the how. But you got to have a why. So why do we exist? Why are we here? I want to know. And one of the first people to write about that was a guy who lived 3,000 years ago and wrote a couple of chapters in the Bible named Solomon. Solomon 
had it all. He was richer, more powerful, and wiser than any person in, in, in living history at the time. And he saw it all, and he tried it all, and he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, which was about his search for meaning and purpose, okay? If, if the name sounds familiar, uh, Solomon, he wrote Proverbs, okay? I mean, he, he wrote Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, obviously, and, and he was David's son, okay? King David was the greatest king of Israel. If you heard the sermon last weekend, he lived in first chair, but dabbled in second chair a lot, and, and Solomon ended up in second chair a lot. I mean, even though he's going to give us good advice today, he didn't take his own good advice, really, until he figured it out way too late. And his son, Rehoboam, sat in third chair, and he was the king of Israel that blew everything up and made everything go away. Okay, So, so this is the story of Solomon. And what he says at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes is this, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. Chasing after the wind. Yeah. Now you know where it came from. It's all just dust in the wind, he said. And he, said, and he went on and he says, what is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. All right. Sounds kind of depressing so far, right? I've, I've studied all this stuff, all the things, and it, it's a heavy burden. And what's twisted is messed up. And there's a lot of things jacked up in life. And, and his basic conclusion to all of this is, 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 is this. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, Everything is meaningless. All right, let's have communion and go home. Wasn't that, wasn't that great? Right? Well, this is great, Tim. I mean, Solomon would not have an easy time replacing Tony Robbins, would he? You know, he's not going to make a great motivational speaker. And you may be wondering, does this get any better than this? Because I'm not, I'm not seeing where you're going. And it turns out that meaningless is Solomon's favorite word. In this short little book of the Bible, he uses it 38 times. Basically, Ecclesiastes is what happens if Eeyore wrote a chapter in the Bible, Okay. <laughs> Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, right? But sometimes a better translation will help you with this because he does come to the conclusion at the end that, that, that our meaning is found in God in case you want the end of the story. And, and the deal with meaningless is it's, it's, not, it's not a great translation for us. Sometimes that happens. Um, the, the word hevel is the Hebrew word for, that's translated meaningless, and it also means vapor, not vape, vapor, Okay. And a vapor denotes, you know, something that is temporary or fleeting. Uh, I brought with me a very high-tech, vapor-producing piece of equipment that I borrowed today uh, right here. This is a, a vapor, okay? You, you know what he's talking about. So when he says meaningless, he's talking about a vapor, okay? He, he, he means it doesn't last very long. It's not solid. It's not going to stay around for very long. So Solomon goes through the book of Ecclesiastes and he starts to tell us about all the things that he's chased that he thought were going to give him purpose that really didn't. Okay? He starts with knowledge. Knowledge. He said, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me and I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. I've done all kinds of great stuff with wisdom and knowledge, and what did I find out? He goes on and he says, I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. That's, that's all it is. Some of your kids are like, 
knowledge is chasing after the wind. Does that mean I don't have to go to school? No, you still have to go to school. Just don't worry about math because math is definitely meaningless. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> so when we get this, we get this though, right? I mean, we understand. I mean, I can get all the knowledge I want. If my head is filled up and my heart is not filled up, it doesn't do me any good. I can learn all I want and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of the things he went searching for. The problem is they're a mist. They're a vapor. They don't last very long. You get all the knowledge you want, there's going to be a whole lot of new stuff you don't know about, right? And somebody's always going to be smarter than you. So then he tried accomplishments. I undertook, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I mean, he was a big builder guy. And, you know, some people take, you know, accomplishments from, take purpose from their accomplishments and the thing that we do. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It's great. Whatever it is that you do with your hands is great to, to, to understand it as an accomplishment. But if you get your purpose from it, it's going to go away. It's going to fall down. Solomon, by the way, is the one who built the temple in Jerusalem, the one that they fought over for the you know, next 3,000 years, and it's the Dome of the Rock now. The Muslims and Christians and the Jews are all, always fighting over this one place in Jerusalem. He built the first one. It took him seven years to build it. It was, it was beautiful. It was massive. And the problem is he also built himself a, a palace, and that took 13 years to build. So it ought to be a sign that you're sitting in second chair if you take twice as long to build your house as you did God's house. And and, and then there's that whole other thing where he had 700 wives. That's not a typo. 700 wives. And he built every one of them a house. So I'm just saying, he he had all these accomplishments, but what did it turn out to be? It turned out to be this. It turned out to be a vapor. It didn't matter. And we know that. Some, some people have weird hobbies and, and try to do weird accomplishments. I read about this guy this week that has a goal. He's from Texas. He has a goal to visit every Starbucks on the planet. And, and so far, he's been to 4,000 Starbucks in the U.S. and over 200 of them internationally. And when asked about it, he said, well, every time I, I, I get to a new Starbucks, I feel like I've accomplished something. <laughs> right? And then he goes on, he said, when actually, I, I know I've accomplished nothing. I mean, he gets it. It's a hobby. It's okay. It's just like, oh, there's another Starbucks. There it went. Doesn't matter. They're going to build a new one. How am I going to keep up with it? Rolling Stone did an article with Brad Pitt back in the day when, uh, when Fight Club had just released. And, and Brad Pitt's doing this interview with, with Rolling Stone. I, I've kept it for a long time. I think it sums up this whole thing. Um, the, he's, he's talking about the character in Fight Club. Uh, you know, this guy who is successful but kind of has this schizophrenic need to always find something better. So he's kind of talking about this guy. He's kind of talking about society. And he's kind of admitting some things to himself. He said, man, I know all these things are supposed to be important to us, right? You know, the car, the house, the version of success. But if that's the case, why is there such a general feeling out there that reflects more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness than ever before? If you ask me, I say toss all this. we got to find something else. Because I know that at this point in time, we're all headed for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being, and I don't want that. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain. And he smiled at the interviewer and said, I'm sitting in success and personal gain. I'm telling you, that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything. I know that. I know that. I'm telling you, once you've got everything, you're still just left with yourself. 
I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better when you're left with yourself, and you don't wake up any better because of it either. You know, the, the sad part about that to me is um, Brad Pitt grew up with faith. I mean, he grew up in Springfield, Missouri, where my wife is from. My mother-in-law and Brad Pitt's mom were in a Bible study together for a while. I mean, his, he came from a family of faith. My wife actually had friends who dated him in high school. <laughs> I'd just like to be that husband. <laughs> Your wife dated Brad Pitt. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> but, but, but the problem is, thankfully my wife didn't. The, the, the problem is... Um, the, the problem is Brad seems to be another one of those guys that grew up with this image of, of Christianity and religion and God. And this is why this is important to me uh, and, and has the wrong one. He, he got the wrong impression of what it was supposed to be. It was religion instead of what it was supposed to be about relationships. It was about rules and regulations. I don't know this. I'm just speculating. I know that he grew up with it, but he got the wrong impression. This is why I'm writing the book that I'm writing right now. This is what's so important to me because I don't think people leave the faith when they understand who God is. Well, Solomon, okay, so he's like, knowledge, you know, I, I, I got the knowledge, I, I, I've, got, I've got all the wisdom, all that kind of stuff, and, and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to also try to the other experiences that I can try along the way. So I got pleasure. What, what about pleasure? I denied myself nothing, he said, nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Eat, drink, and be merry. And still, what did he find? It was meaningless. He said, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. I told myself. But that also proved to be meaningless. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. I was reading about this. I mean, that, that phrase in there in the original language, it's kind of cryptic because he put the two things together. So it could be like I became a connoisseur of the best things in life. Like I didn't drink the cheap stuff that came in a box with a screw-off lid. I, you know, I drank only the good stuff, and I, and, I, and I tried that. Or it could have been, you know, I went to the frat house, and I played beer pong until I lost all the balls. I mean, it could have been either way. Well, one way or another, he tried pleasure. Whatever that was for him, he tried it. And did I mention that he had 700 wives? Okay, but that's not enough. He also had 300 extra women in his little harem. They called them concubines in, in the Bible if you grew up with the King James Version. Like 700's not enough. He needed 300 extra ones over here. What is that all about? Well, that's about this, okay? Because the obvious problem with pleasure is it's never enough. C.S. Lewis describes it this way, an increasing craving for an ever-decreasing pleasure. Talk to a drug addict, talk to an addict of any kind. What happens? You start off with a craving for something, and it's a decreasing pleasure, so you've got to have more. If, if Solomon would have lived longer, maybe he would have had 2,000 wives. I don't know, but that's what happens with pleasure. And he said, you know what, that, that, that didn't work out for me either. And then I tried wealth. Um, he said, I'm a mass, I amass silver and gold for myself and treasure of kings and provinces. And he, he was, one, you know, like the richest guy in, in the world at, at that time. And yet wealth only left him feeling the same thing, like he wasn't filled up. So, so all I'm saying is, by all accounts, King Solomon should have been the guy that everybody would have looked at and said, well, that guy's got everything. 
I mean, more so than probably any person that's alive on, on the planet today, that guy's got everything. And he said, yep, I have everything. And I had everything, and this is what it looks like. Just like this. Reminded me of something Jim Carrey said one time. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. So where does that leave us? <clears throat> well, it's the problem with anything that we try to find in the natural world, anything outside of God, it leaves us with this. If you're trying to figure out your purpose and meaning without God, it leaves you with this. Uh, here's a video. I'm going to show you a video from the resources on exploregod.com just so that you can see kind of some of the quality of some of the stuff on there if you're wrestling with this. This is Pete Briscoe, who is a pastor, describing his father, Stuart Briscoe, and an experience he had with somebody trying to figure out their purpose. I grew up in England. My dad was in England his whole life um, and, until he was about 40, and then we moved to the States. But when he was a young man, he would do a lot of work in the coffee shops in Liverpool, um, pretty tough spots actually, and all the hippies would hang out there. And, and he tells the story about one day going into one of these coffee shops and it was all hippies, young 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And one boy sat down at his table and looked at him and said, what are you doing here? And my dad says he had flowers in his hair and it had been so long since he'd washed his hair that my dad wondered if the flowers were actually growing there. <laughs> he said, well, I'm here to have conversations with you guys. And the guy said, well, what do you want to talk about? And my dad said, well, you know, life and why we're here and purpose. And, and the guy looked at my dad and he started to laugh and he goes, purpose? And my dad just said, so why do you think you're here? I mean, why are you on the planet? Why are you taking up space? The guy looked at him and he said, you know what? My parents told me I was an accident. And because of the way I live my life, I'm assuming that my life uh, will end in an accident too, that my death will be an accident. And so the way I kind of see my purpose is I'm, I'm an accident suspended between two accidents. Which is really all you're left with if you're trying to figure out your purpose this way, right? So what is Solomon's answer? What is his conclusion? He gets down to chapter 12, he gets down to the end, and he says, so I tried all this stuff. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. In other words, don't wait till you're old, wasting your time chasing after all this stuff to figure out what your purpose is. Don't wait till it's over to figure it out. Because great experiences, great accomplishments, wealth, pleasure, knowledge, okay, it's got to be more than that. Nothing wrong with those things, but it's got to be something more than that. And he says, remember it now. The sooner you figure this part out in life, the better it's going to be for you. And then he goes on and he says, now all has been heard. I'm the guy who's lived it all. I'm the guy who's had it all. And I'm telling you, all has been heard. And here is the conclusion of the matter. God. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. In other words, that word fear is not translated well for me. It means reverence, okay? It means understand that there is a God there, respect that there is a God there, live like there is a God there. That's why we were created. Essentially what he's saying is, do you want to find meaning? Do you want to find purpose? There is no meaning and no purpose apart from God. And don't try to tell me that there is because I'm the guy that's had more of whatever it is that you think you're finding purpose in 
than anybody else on the planet. And I'm telling you, at the end of the day, there is no purpose outside of God. C.S. Lewis put it this way, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace. God cannot give us meaning and purpose. He can't give us anything that, that we need in our life apart from himself because it's not there. It's, he's not being mean. It's just not there. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Every single one of us and every single person you'll ever meet was created by a loving God to live in a relationship with him. That was the whole point. Early Christian Author, writer, father, Augustine said it this way. He said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. You have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. This is why you feel the restlessness. This is why it's inside of you, this deep restlessness. And the point is, when you keep trying to fill it up with this stuff, it's not going to do any good because the restlessness is there and this doesn't meet it. But the reason the restlessness is there is because it's your Father in heaven trying to call you back to him. And if he could help you find purpose and meaning and all of those other things, he would, but it's not possible. Because those are all vapors and he is the only true solid. you got to understand that that's what this Bible thing is about. That's what this God thing is about. Preet Briscoe went on and said, um, my dad quoted this guy after he said he was in accident, suspended between two accidents. He, said, he opened up his Bible and said, let me read to you from Psalms. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is David talking to God, Solomon's dad talking to God. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Does that sound like you're an accident suspended between two accidents? For any one of you listening to me that are, that are wrestling with your belief about God, here's a challenge for you today, okay? Challenge for you today is called Pascal's Wager. Not something I made up, something's been around for hundreds of years. A 17th century mathematician and philosopher. He's one of those guys that math made a difference in his life. He, he, he was a great thinker, okay? It, 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 one of the greatest thinkers in the history of Western civilization. And he grew up knowing about God, but not really knowing God until he had this supernatural experience in the, in the middle of the night, just this profound conversion thing that happened in the middle of the night. And it changed him. And he decided that he was going to devote the rest of his life to helping people figure out that there is a God and find their way back to God. He figured out what his purpose was. He figured out what the solid was and he decided to help his friends. The deal was his friends are all intellectuals. They're all scientists. They're all people that are, that are intellectuals. And intellectuals, people that are really, really smart, have a harder time a lot of times believing that there is something out there because that is something that is unexplained. God is unexplainable. And that doesn't work for people who like to figure things out. So Pascal came up with a wager, with a bet. And he said it this way. He said, I want you to make a bet that there is a God who loves you. Just make a bet. Just, just take a chance. Just stay up till 10 o'clock. And take a chance on the fact that maybe they're going to walk on the moon. Just stay up till 10 o'clock and take a chance on God and say to God, you know what, maybe you're there. That's it. 
Just, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life that I did at Christmas, right? Just the prayer is just, God, I'm not much of a praying man, and, and I don't really even know if you're there, but if you are, I need some help. That's it. He said, make a bet on that. And here's the wager part. He said, because if, you, if you, it ends up that there is a God and you're right, you have everything to gain. But if you're wrong, you have nothing to lose. Now make a bet that God is real. Let me explain that, okay? I believe at the end of my life, if I just die and there is nothing and I'm warm food and that's it, I believe, I've lived enough of life at, at this point, I, I believe if you told me there was no God and you, you unequivocally could tell me that that's all figured out, I would say, I don't, I don't know if that's going to change anything in my life because I think that where I'm at in life right now and the, the things that I've done because I believe that there is a God and the, the peace that I've had and the purpose and the joy, I believe that that hasn't hurt a thing in my life. It's probably made me better. And obviously, I'm going to tell you, I 100% believe that God is real because he showed himself to me. What I'm asking you is for the next seven days, just pray this prayer. Take a picture of the screen if you want. Write it down if you want. It's not very hard to remember. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. That's it. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Take Pascal's wager and just, you know, say, hey, you know what? A week. Give it a week. Pray it sincerely, wholeheartedly, and see if God doesn't make himself known to you in some unexpected ways. See, see if maybe all of a sudden there's something solid to grab a hold of instead of this all the time. And hey, for those of you who are Christ followers, you, 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 you believe already, pray the same thing. Do the same thing. Why would you do that? Because, because the truth is we all waste a bunch of time chasing this, okay? So, so what if you just prayed that prayer? Because the question I want to ask you is am I truly grabbing a hold of God or am I still grasping at the vapors, right? Those of us who profess a belief in God spend a lot of time chasing those things. And there's nothing wrong with, with wisdom or accomplishment, you know, or, or wealth or pleasure. I mean, I'd, I'd probably put a limit on 300 wives maybe, but there's, not, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with Starbucks, okay? There's nothing wrong with any of those things when we're, when we're following, when we're, when we're looking at them, when we, when we do them, okay? Do, those, do the things that, that bring you joy in life. Just understand that, 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 that they're not going to last and they're not going to bring us fulfillment. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Probably the most important verse about how to live your life in the Bible came from the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. That, that's what we're talking about. Seven days, man. That's it. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. I'm going I'm to seek first the kingdom of God and Jesus gives us this in the middle of, of his discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, where, where he's looking at people. I mean, I, he, he's saying, why do you worry about what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear? Does, why, why do you worry about all this stuff all the time? Does not your heavenly Father look down on you from heaven? And, and isn't he taking care of you? Doesn't he look down at the flowers of the field and take care of them? And the birds of the air and take care of them? Did you know that your Father has every hair on your head numbered? Do you know that? So why are you worried? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. 
We're going to take communion. We do it every week here at Parkview. We just think when, when Jesus gave us this sacrament, it was a great idea, and we're going to do it every time we get together. And here's what I want you to know. Some of you grew up thinking well, our church said you had to you know, do this or you had to be this or whatever. Um, this church believes that communion is between you and God. Right? So if, if you have even an ounce of 10 o'clock faith, in your heart, maybe this thing is real, we invite you to commune with us. We're going to pass the trays across. There's two cups, one inside the other. We're just going to take them both out and hold them for a second, and we will commune together in unison. And I just want you to pray during this time, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Because that's what this is all about. And the reason I say that is because there was a time uh, it, right after the resurrection where Jesus appeared to a couple of guys. Everybody didn't know he was resurrected yet. And he, the, the disciples are all in Jerusalem. And Jesus appears on this road to Emmaus. And, and these two guys are, are leaving Jerusalem because they're discouraged. They were following Jesus and they think he's dead. And Jesus shows up, but they don't recognize him. And, and they, they get to their house and they're like, hey, this, this guy's fascinating. Why don't you come in and have, have dinner with us? They didn't know it was Jesus. He was just a, a guy that was explaining things to them, and they liked him, so they invited him in. And the Bible tells us that when they broke bread, their eyes were opened. And that's why, that's why I love this part about communion. When they broke bread, their eyes were open. We don't know if it's because they saw the nail scars or just a supernatural experience, but I promise you the same thing can happen for you today. When they broke bread, their eyes were opened, and they realized who he was. So maybe today... You can have a 10 o'clock faith. You can believe that maybe this is real. You take Pascal's wager and say, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me and commune with us. And let's see what happens. God, help us to understand. Um, there's a lot of stuff that gets muddied along the way on this journey of faith. And there's a lot of people coming from a lot of different places. And there are some people that are on the Ferris Bueller side of things and things are working out pretty well for him. And there are some people in here that are, are his little sister and things just don't seem to ever be going right for them. And all of us are somewhere in between, Lord. I just help us to understand that we need to take all of that, all that stuff about why you do what you do and, and what happens in the world and, and all those other questions and set them aside for a minute and focus on the fact that, that you are a God who loves us so much that you gave your only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whether we can figure anything else out in this life at all, if that is the crux, if that is the story of Christianity, that you wanted to have a relationship with us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross so that he could pay for the sins that I have in my life, so that I could be in your family forever, that I could be adopted, even though I'm unworthy, into your family. That's Christianity. And if that's true, I can get purpose from that all day long. There may be a lot of things I don't get, there may be a lot of things that I'm not going to figure out. But that part is pretty simple. Be with us as we open our hearts to that reality today. If you're real, make it real to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.